Hi, this is Janine. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Today I'm in conversation with Janice Kaplan. She's the New York Times bestselling author of The Gratitude Diaries, but she has a new book out called The Genius of Women, From Overlooked to Changing the World. In The Genius of Women, Kaplan provides a fresh and original perspective on women's talents. Across generations, women have created brilliant work, even as they had to, then and now, battle against male-dominated power structures. Kaplan realizes early on that genius is not just about possessing spectacular talent. It's about having that talent recognized. Kaplan makes surprising discoveries about women geniuses in fields ranging from music to robotics, blending memoir with one-on-one interviews with neuroscientists, psychologists, and dozens of women geniuses at work in the world today. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Janice Kaplan. Hi, how are you? Fantastic. I had a chance to review your book, and what a fantastic message for people. How did this come about? Well, thank you. I'm, I'm ex- really excited about this book. It does mean a lot to me. I, I started the book when a friend of mine who's a pollster did a survey where he found that 90% of Americans think that geniuses tend to be men. 90% is a crazy number yes. for anything. And we, uh, we had lunch one day. He told me about this. And he also told me that when asked to name a female genius, virtually the only person anybody could come up with was Madame Curie. And he said, what do you think is going on here? And I didn't have an answer for him, but I spent the next two years trying to get one. It's unbelievable. I love the variety of people you have included in the book. Um, what was the process like figuring out who to select? Well, I had a very broad definition of genius, and it was really people who have done exciting, interesting, and original work. And I spoke to so many wonderful women, and they were so inspiring. The book is not a series of profiles, as you know. Uh, it's right. really a narrative. It's an exploration. It's, it's looking at lots of different themes in women's lives and, and in how women are raised and so many other issues. And I chose the women for the book, both who were wonderful in their own right and who had interesting stories that I thought could, uh, could help us see what some of the issues are and perhaps be inspiring also. I love how this book is really for all ages. I mean, I feel like this will help young girls find their own genius. And you touch on, you know, different things. What, what would you say to some of the younger readers? I think it is so important, as I saw with many of the women I interviewed, to have a belief in yourself and to have some confidence in yourself and to realize how you're being held back and to realize and recognize the obstacles in your path, um, but to say they don't matter yeah. and um, I'm going to ignore them. Because over and over again with the women I did speak to, some of the genius women, they were able to find workarounds or move beyond uh, the challenges they faced. And I think for young women, that tenacity, that willingness to stand up to a society that's not always going to support you is really key. Yeah. I remember watching the movie Hidden Figures and thinking, I've never heard of these women. And, and it just was so such a fascinating idea. And that's why I was gravitated towards your book, because there's so many people we don't know about. Right. I loved that movie, too. And, and there are so many women like that. Somebody defined genius to me for me as the place where extraordinary talent meets celebrity. Mm. And what he meant by celebrity was getting attention for your work, getting your work recognized. 
And throughout history and up to the present moment, women have had only one half of that equation, right? They've had the extraordinary talent, but they haven't had the celebrity, the attention, the recognition. Those women in Hidden Figures, they were doing this wonderful work. They were sending people into space, Mm -hmm. but nobody paid attention to them until that, that book and that movie that came out quite recently. I, I want to touch on some of the people in the in the book. I love this chapter, How a Teenage Nun Painted the Last Supper. I had never heard of the artist Clara Peters. Um, right, and there are many artists in, in, in that chapter. Clara Peters is one of my favorites. Um, she painted at the time of the Dutch Golden Age, and which was the time of Rembrandt. And you have mm-hmm. heard of Rembrandt. Sure. Um, <laughs> nobody had heard of Clara Peters uh, until the... Prado Museum in Madrid just a couple of years ago did a solo show of her work. And bravo to the Prado uh, for doing that. It was actually their first solo show ever of a woman artist. And I happened to be in Madrid while I was writing the book, and I did get to see some of Clara Peters' work, and it's exquisite. But this better late than never excitement about her, I also found very disquieting because it makes you realize that if her work is great now, Hasn't it been great for the last 400 years? Yes. Nobody repainted anything. <laughs> and and it, it makes you realize that genius isn't, uh, isn't a, a defined state. Genius changes in how our story gets told and who is telling the story and who is in the position to have the power to say this person is a genius. And fortunately, somebody at the Prado now was able to look at a woman and see that her work was great. But for decades and centuries before that, because she was a woman, her work was ignored. Unbelievable. You know, it makes me think of how I, I don't believe in the SATs, the standardized test, because it, it makes people, students feel like, oh, uh, if I bomb that, you know, that's it for me you know, I'm not going to get into a great college, what's going to happen with my future. And I bombed mine. And I always say to people, young people, you know, um, there are all different types of intelligence. There's music, there's math, there's this, that and the other thing. And I, I feel like this is very inspiring, you know, for younger readers. Well, thanks. And, and I think that is so right. And so many of the ways that we've had of measuring intelligence in the past, we used to measure the size of people's heads. Um, really? And, and <laughs> consider that that was, that was a way to, uh, uh, to, to show genius. Um, as somebody in the book uh, said to me, if that were correct, then whales would be the masters of us all. They have the largest heads. Um, And now we believe in IQ in the same way, even though over and over again, IQ has shown to be meaningless and to have no effect on how people do later in life. And really all IQ measures is how good you are at taking IQ tests. And um, one of the things that all of these methods have in common is that they are based on men finding yes. tools that show that men are the, uh, yeah. uh, the ones who, who deserve the power. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, I think they need to be rewritten or done away with personally. So I enjoyed, there's several other people in this book, numerous others. Why Italian women are better, better than you at math, that made me laugh. 
Tell me about that. Right, and it was certainly a surprise to me. It was a woman named Carla Maltini who I interviewed, who's a professor of physics at the University College London. And um, she came from a very small town in Italy where almost nobody went to college, and I expressed surprise that coming from such a conservative spot, she was so great at math and physics. And she said, well, in my town, women were expected to be good in math and physics. Women were just considered to be better uh, than men in, in math. And she said, in the southern Mediterranean, women are always good in math because they're expected to be good. And that was so surprising to me. And she pointed out that all of her colleagues who were women in her department were all from the southern Mediterranean. None of them were from the United States and none of them were from the United Kingdom, where we don't expect women to be good in math. Um, You tend to think that math should be something that you understand or you don't, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Um, there was even one study that I found fascinating where young Asian girls were given a math test, and if they were reminded beforehand that they were Asian, they did much better on the test than if they were reminded beforehand that they were girls. Really? So, <laughs> so how we think of ourselves, what we expect of ourselves, actually affects how we do on those tests. That's so interesting, your, your self-esteem before, your mindset before something like that. Absolutely, just the mindset, and and maybe it makes you work harder on a problem because you think you're supposed to be able to do it, or or maybe you're just more dismissive if you think it's something that you're not expected to be able to do. I know it's really hard to even understand that because if you're not good in math, you assume that it's because I'm not good in math. But try to realize that if you grew up someplace else, um, you would speak a different language without having any problem. And maybe you would, maybe you would speak math also. Yes. Is there a, I always hear there's a correlation. If you're good at math, you're good at music. Um, I don't that? know. That's uh, yeah. it, it, it's possibly true. Um, th- they may have the same kind of uh, of, a, of approach Mindset. of being very very methodical about things. Uh, I, I did find that um, composing classical music is one of the areas that women are still a tiny tiny percentage. Uh, that women composers are are, are still. Um, a rarity for yes. reasons that uh, continue to escape me. Look at the Oscars, <laughs> the woman who won for the Joker. There was a woman that won for the Joker, and it was groundbreaking because she was a woman. Yeah. Right, and I was uh, so surprised as I'm writing this book, and here we are in 2020, and over and over again, the people that I interviewed were the first woman, whatever it might be, the first woman tenured professor here, the first woman who did this. And um, we're still uh, we're still in that position. I guess that the uh, changes have been slower in coming than we realize. And maybe it is easier when you're the third or the fifth or the tenth than the first. Um, but kudos to these women who continue to pave the way in so many different fields. I had to pull up the woman's name. I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Um, Hildur is her first name. She's an Icelandic composer, won the Golden Globe uh, for the Joker. So I just want to mention that. Huh. Tell me, how did you meet Mayim Bialik? Um, well, Mayim is just a wonderful story, and I, I had interviewed her for, for an article that I was doing. And um, she, of course, was one of the stars of The Big Bang Theory, and she yeah. had been the teenage star of a TV show called Blossom. And then uh, after she left Blossom, she decided she wanted to be a scientist, and she spent seven years studying neuroscience and getting her Ph.D. in neuroscience. And 
you have to be pretty serious to do that. You don't do that as just a little aside. Um, And then she said, and I think partly jokingly, but maybe not, um, she needed health insurance, and the only way she could get it was to go back to acting. Uh, She (laughs) had an audition for the Big Bang Theory, and she didn't know where to put the fact that she had a Ph.D. in neuroscience on her resume. (laughs) It didn't seem like it was going to be very important in Hollywood, and so she put it under other you know, the same place where you might write oh um, likes water skiing or yes. good at surfing. <laughs> and and the producers looked at it and they said, are you joking about this? And she said, no, 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 I'm a, I'm a PhD in, in, in neuroscience. Uh, she got the part it. and they actually changed the character to be a neuroscientist. I love it. She's brilliant. I was watching some clips of her talk about this on YouTube. I know we're just about out of time, but what else would you like listeners to know about your book? Well, I think it's a fun read and I think, as you said, it is, it is a book that you can share with people and that will inspire great conversation. I'm excited about the great reviews that it's been getting and I hope everybody will go and get a copy at your local bookstore or it's available on Amazon right now. It's just out and um, uh, I think uh, think people will be excited and and enjoy reading it. I want to mention where people can find you. It's JaniceKaplan.com J-A-N-I-C-E Kaplan K-A-P-L-A-N.com You're on Twitter at JaniceKaplan2 I guess there's the one. <laughs> I don't know who it is. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, an impersonator. And they're on Instagram, Janice.Kaplan. And your book, again, is The Genius of Women from Overlooked to Changing the World. Um, I Just briefly, I want to touch on uh, you were a former editor-in-chief of Parade magazine. That must have been so exciting. That was a great job. Parade was uh, huge at the time, and um, it was wonderful to have a platform like that and pretty much to be able to call anybody and uh, get them to write for you. So I, I interviewed it. all sorts of interesting people and had some great experiences there. And you've had other successes as a magazine editor, television producer, writer, and journalist. And let's see, you've only written about and co-authored about uh, 14 books. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whoa, congratulations. And the Gratitude Diaries is another one of yours. So I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Well, thank you. It was great to talk to you, too. I appreciate the, the good conversation. Absolutely. That's a wrap for my conversation with author Janice Kaplan. She's written her latest book, The Genius of Women, From Overlooked to Changing the World. If you missed any part of our conversation or if you wanted to find out more about her, you can visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.com. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.